0: I'm a real supersonic, pass the ball like magic. Sean, Kimmel, Larry Bird, the old school Mavericks. I got basketball cards. Gonna sing a little more. I got basketball cards. Now enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of My Basketball Cards. I am your host, Zaire. Big shout out to Paris Alexa, the person who sings the theme song to our show. You can check out her album, Too Real. That's the number two in the word real on all streaming platforms. Before we get on to the show, check out a word from our sponsor. What's going on, everybody? Appreciate your time and for you checking out my basketball cards. Before we get into this episode, um, I want to uh, give some shout-outs. It's like three new basketball podcasts that I just got hip to. They've been out for a little while. Um, one is All the Smoke with Stephen Jackson and Matt Barnes. Another... Is um, those knuckleheads with Darius Miles and Quentin Richardson, and the third is uh, let's get technical with Rasheed Wallace and Bonzi Wells. Those are three podcasts um, featuring former NBA players. You hear a lot of interesting stories. Good interviews. Uh, It's like sitting and listening to players talk amongst themselves. uh, But it's in podcast form and you hear a lot of insight on what was going on back in the day uh, when these guys were playing in the NBA. And, you know, things that we never got to see behind the scenes now come to light. And it's real cool. So, you know, if you like to hear retro stories about basketball and the NBA, check out those three shows. Now let's get off to... Danny Ferry the trade part three and some of y'all might be like man it's a lot of episodes about Danny Ferry Um, Here's here's the deal Danny Ferry had a a long career with the Cavaliers I believe he played like 10 seasons with the team and he was like the first player to ever do that with the Cavaliers Um, His story in, in my opinion is interesting He may not have been like the biggest superstar ever to play for the Cavs But his career was very intriguing And how he got to Cleveland and how everything played out. So, uh, the first episode we did about Danny, we talked about how he, um, we talked about him uh, playing in Italy during his first season out of college. The second episode, we talked about his preseason games with the Cavaliers and his press conference as well when he first signed the contract to play with the Cavs. Now, We're talking about his first season with the Cavaliers. So um, we go, and it's it's November 1990. uh, November 1990, and it's two days before his first game, and we're off to a bad start. Danny Ferry has to get seven stitches after catching an elbow and an eyebrow during practice. It doesn't like injure him so bad to where he's not going to be able to play, but... It's just not a good sign of things to come. <laughs> so um, the day of the first game that he played, and keep in mind, he had a bit of a rough, rocky preseason, uh, as we talked about in a previous episode. So the day of his first game, his first game in the NBA, there's a drawing of him and Hot Rod Williams, John Hot Rod Williams, who is a power forward. Uh, those are the, they are the two highest paid players on the team. So, it's a drawing of them on the cover of the sports page, and you see them dunking bags of money into a hoop. Um, So, when Danny signed his contract, remember it's a 10-year, $34 million deal with a few uh, signing bonuses. Um, He, at the time, was the highest paid player in Cavs history, but then the Cavs had to... um, Sign another one of their players, who was a veteran by the name of Hot Rod Williams. John Hot Rod Williams had just had the season of his um, the best season of his career. He averaged uh, like sixteen point eight points per game, and um, was one of the best shot blockers on the team, along with Larry Nance. He was a valuable uh, front court player who could play power forward and center. Um, he was quick to guard a few small forwards here and there. But he was very quick as a small, as a power forward in a center, I should say. Uh, Very quick as a power forward in a center, and uh, had the ability to knock down mid-range shots here and there. Um, So the Cavs had to match an offer that the Miami Heat uh, gave him to try and lure him to play for them, and they ended up having to pay a lot of money. So um, he was getting paid 3.78 million dollars. Um, In the 1990-91 season, Danny Ferry was getting paid $2.6 million plus his $1 million signing bonus. So technically, he got $3.6 million that year. And then if you look at the Cavs uh, on their team, they had three all-stars, Mark Price, Brad Doherty, and Larry Nets. Mark Price was making $1.4 million. Brad Doherty was making $1.3 million. $2 $2 million, and Larry Nansen making $1.26 million. So Hot Rod and Danny Ferry were the highest paid players, making significantly more than the team's three all-stars. And um, also making like money that players like Patrick Ewing, Hakeem Olajuwon, Larry Bird, Michael Jordan, those types of players, um, they were actually getting paid more than uh, many of those players. Uh, Definitely Hot Rod and Danny Ferry were getting paid more than Michael Jordan was getting paid just to play basketball. Now, don't feel sorry for Michael Jordan because he was probably the most highest-paid athlete when it came to endorsements during that time. Uh, So don't feel sorry for him, but when it came to just pure basketball salary, Danny Ferry and Hot Rod Williams earned more money from the NBA than Michael Jordan did to play 82 games in a season so before Danny Ferry's first game remember Yeah, he was featured on the cover of the sports page Um, he also had he was featured on a half-hour pregame show Um, there was a feature on him and so people were very interested on what he was going to do however with all this hype and all this um, Anxious anxiety, we'll say. Um, Lenny Wilkins, the head coach of the Cavaliers, decided that for the first game against the Boston Celtics, who had Larry Bird that Danny Ferry was compared to, Lenny Wilkins says, I'm going to start Chucky Brown. Uh, Once again, we mentioned Chucky Brown in a previous episode. Chucky Brown was a small forward as well. Competed against Danny Ferry in college. Chucky Brown went to North Carolina State. Danny Ferry went to Duke. Chucky Brown was a blue-collar second-round pick. A guy who had to fight and scrap to get in the league and stay in the league. Um, Lenny Wilkins enjoyed Chucky Brown's preseason and felt more certain about him being ready at the time of the start of the season. So um, along with that, Lenny Wilkins still was very positive about Danny. Lenny said, with Denny, you have a hard worker who understands the game very well. He just needs to um, stay with it. His confidence will come. All right, so remember, Chucky, once again, Chucky Brown said that he would not submit to Denny Ferry. Uh, he won't relinquish His spot to Danny Ferry, uh, the Cavs would just have to give it to him, but he's not going to give Danny Ferry anything. And so Chucky Brown lived up to his words. He played hard and played pretty well during the preseason and ended up getting the starting spot. More on Danny Ferry from Lenny Wilkins. He said, I think he will be good. He sees the floor, he sacrifices his body, and he puts in time to improve. But right now, um, I'm not going to stick him out there and get buried. So Lenny, once again, feeling confident about Danny's future, but more confident at the time in Chucky Brown as far as Chucky being prepared. Now, Chucky was drafted the same draft as Danny Ferry as well, but Chucky played in the NBA in the 89-90 season while Danny was playing in Italy. Bill Livingston, uh, news reporter in Cleveland, his opinion was, understand this, Ferry is not going to be the second coming of Larry Bird. Not ever such genius is limited to once per generation. So, he I don't know if Bill Livingston ever really thought Danny Ferry was going to be the next Larry Bird, uh, however, he's made it clear after seeing the preseason because nobody really got to look at Danny in, in Italy. Except for a couple reporters, it wasn't like they were showing the games on television like they probably would be now or showing them on the Internet. We didn't have an Internet at that time uh, for mass public to consume. So um, people got their first view of what Danny could do uh, during training camp and during uh, the preseason. And a lot of people weren't extremely excited, you know, with him averaging less than 10 points per game. And starting, he was a starter at the beginning of the preseason, and by the end of preseason, he wasn't anymore. So on um, the first game, game one, November 2nd, it was against the Boston Celtics in Boston Garden. The Cavaliers lose 125-101. to Danny Ferry scored, um, well, actually, he went two for 10. He scored five points in 16 minutes of action. Um, His first basket he actually made made the first shot of his career, uh, but then he missed nine straight afterwards, and he struggled against Kevin McHale and Reggie Lewis. Uh, Bird actually played that game. He missed the preseason game against the Cavs, but this game, Larry Bird showed up and was Larry Bird. (laughs) Larry Bird had 18 points, 15 assists, and nine rebounds. Reggie Lewis, uh, young Celtic, who was a star, small forward, and shooting guard, had 32 points. Um, Danny's old teammate, Brian Shaw, remember they played together in Italy. He's now playing with the Celtics, and he he actually played a season with the Celtics before going to Italy. Now he's with them for his second season um, with them, but third season overall as a pro. Brian Shaw had 13 points, seven assists, and two steals. Um, Danny Ferry's, Danny Ferry on his first game, his, his thoughts were, I don't think I played particularly well. I still have a lot to learn. So the premiere, the debut wasn't what people really wanted. And remember, once again, people are looking at him and judging him um, to what the Cavs gave away. They're comparing him to what the Cavs gave away. The Cavs gave away Ron Harper, who is a 20 point per game score, a lockdown defender, and they're looking at Danny Ferry going, okay, what are you going to do for us? So we go to game two, which was November 3rd, and they play the defending champion, Detroit Pistons. The Cavs lose 102-97. Danny Ferry plays 22 minutes, shoots three for seven, scores six points, grabs three rebounds. And that game, he faced Mark Aguirre, Bill A. Beard, Dennis Rodman. Um, so you talk about the first two games, he's facing legends. He's facing um, Kevin McHale, who is a Hall of Famer. Reggie Lewis, who had he lived, he died, unfortunately, a few years later um, from heart trouble. But Reggie Lewis probably would have been a Hall of Famer. Definitely a difficult person for Danny Ferry to match up against. With his speed and athleticism and high basketball IQ. Um, Danny, uh, Larry Bird was also on the court as well. And then when you look at um, Detroit, he's going up against Mark Aguirre, who was the number one pick. I think it was the 82 draft, maybe? eighty, Yeah, 81 or 82 draft. Mark Aguirre, uh, number one pick. Um, top-level player, high score, um, he averaged like 25 points per game one season with the Mavericks. Was a phenomenal uh, score. Uh, You got Bill lane Beer, who was just tough and physical. Also had a really good jump shot. Um, And Dennis Rodman, everybody knows about Dennis Rodman. Just freak athlete. Very aggressive and hard to predict on what he's going to do, but you know he's going to grab a lot of rebounds and you know he's going to defend. Um, So, Danny, after those first two games, which were lackluster, um, he struggled to get minutes. And for the next seven games, he only played more than ten minutes two times. Danny Ferry started getting grief from the national press. Um, One of the headlines that was of a story that was written said, Ferry looks a little out of his league with the Cavaliers. Um, a, a quote from that story, before the opener Ferry was being compared to the incomparable Larry Bird. Afterward, he was being compared only to Big Bird, clunky, slow, and a little overwhelmed by any situation this story was actually written after his first game. Um, an anonymous scout said, can this guy play in this league? That was his question. He also said, I'm not, I'm not so sure right now. He looks like a man without a position. So after the first two games, the reviews are less than stellar about Danny Ferry. Um, As we go on throughout the season, the day after a 1-for-6 performance against Philadelphia, the Morning Call, which is a um, newspaper in Allentown, Pennsylvania, called Danny Ferry the biggest early season flop. Ferry um, actually did have a double-figure game coming soon. His first double-figure game was um, a 14-point 16-minute performance against the Charlotte Hornets early in the season. Um, power four, Hotwire Williams was injured. And um, Danny actually got, got more time on the court. Um, and 16 minutes isn't a ton of time, but like I said, he wasn't playing over two, over 10 minutes for many of those games in the early season stretch. So his first double-figure performance came against the Charlotte Hornets in Charlotte, actually. And Duke is in North Carolina. Charlotte's in North Carolina. So it was a bit of a homecoming for him. Um, That game, actually, the Cavs lost 112 to 100. Uh, Danny Ferry was also in foul trouble like he was in many games. Um, So they said that early on in the season, he was committing one foul every four minutes. And it's hard to stay on the court when you do that. Um, Denny said that the reason why he was committing so many fouls is that he's um, using his hands instead of his feet. I really didn't think this would be much of a problem. A lot of the reasons why I'm reaching is that I'm not always in the right position. So um, early on in the season, remember Craig Elo, our friend Craig Elo. (laughs) Uh, We've been talking about him a lot on these um, episodes the last uh, three, actually, or f- four episodes. Uh, Craig Elo is the person who replaced Ron Harper after he was traded in the starting lineup. And, you know, Craig Elo is, is interesting because he knows who he is. He knows his limitations. He knows what he can do. And, you know, it's like people expect more of him. And he's like, "Yo, this is only this. I can I can only do what I can do. I can't be Ron Harper. <laughs> Uh, But he's vocal about some things. And so one thing he does, November twentieth, 1990, Craig Elo calls out Danny Ferry. He says, Danny has to answer the call. That's why we traded for him, to strengthen the front line. Uh, There is no more breaking him in slowly. So Elo's like, yo, man, it's time for you to step up and do your thing. So the next night, Danny Ferry scores 10 points in 23 minutes and a win over Miami. So we're kind of looking like, yo, dude, if you could put up 10 points, that's great. We have, we, that, that's great. Because the Cavs already had uh, Brad Doherty, who can average 20 a game, and Mark Price, who can average between you know 16 and 19 a game, and Larry Nets, who can average between 16 and 19 a game. They had scores, um, but they needed some more perimeter shooting, and they needed Danny Ferry to be consistent at that. Uh, over the next four games, after scoring 10 points against Miami in a win, um, he played 23 minutes or more over the next four games, but the Cavs went 1-4. Danny Ferry shot 10 for 35. He averaged 6 points per game, 4.9 rebounds, and 3.5 assists. Now, things start getting really bad in December. Uh, the Cavs end the month of November at 9-7. and seven. And then in December, um, they have to play without Mark Price, who ends up injuring, having a leg injury. I think it was an Achilles injury. Um, and so he's their all-star point guard. They lose him, and they go from 9-7 and at the start of December to 11-8 and at the end of the month. Um, during that time, though, Danny Ferry's uh, numbers start to improve. Um, In the 15 games he played in November, he averaged 6.3 points per game, and he shot 38% from the field. In the 13 games he played in December, he averaged 10.2 points per game, shooting 45% from the field. The final game of 1990, uh, at the end of December, Danny Ferry had his best game of the season, uh, scoring 21 points, shooting 8 for 13 and that was in a loss to Portland. Portland at the time was 27-3. And, three. and um, they, they lost 120. The Cavs lost 120-114. to 114. Then he had 21 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists, and 1 block. His performance in that game, even though the Cavs lost, um, his performance in that game was, was, was one that made you think, okay, this is, this is the guy that everybody was comparing to Larry Bird. The organization actually uh, throughout his slow start was very patient with him and supportive. So that's the good thing about this Cavaliers organization Um, throughout some of the things you can point out that you can criticize. The one thing you can't criticize is that they had a very good, supportive, nurturing environment. Uh, You don't hear people bad-mouthing people in the press. Um, like I mean, the thing you heard with Elo, he wasn't bad-mouthing Ferry. He was just saying, hey, let's step it up and let's, let's do our thing out here. But the Cavs yeah, definitely it was a lot of support from the players. They wasn't tripping that Danny Ferry is making more money than everybody else for the most part. They were just really supporting him and hoping that he would come along. Lenny Wilkins, the head coach, said Danny has got to stop beating himself, himself up for the mistakes he makes. I've told him. You've got to learn from your mistakes and not worry about sort of that sort of pressure. He has to just go out there and play his own game. So um, January uh, 3rd. Wait, let me see. Sorry about that. In January, the Cavs actually went three and 11 that month. So this is just a a abysmal turning into an abysmal season after a nine and seven start, which was kind of shaky. But you'll take it. Um, And this is from a team that has made the playoffs the last three seasons. All of a sudden, they're now 14 and 29 um, at the end of January. In 14 games in January, Danny Ferry once again averages double digits for the month, averaging 10.1 points per game. He shot 51%, which was his best shooting percentage in a month. Um, And then... He scored double figures in five of the last six games of January. On January 30th, he shot seven for 12 and scored 16 points against the NBA champion Detroit Pistons. So he showed up and had a a good game against them after struggling during the second game of the season. So we get to uh, the months of February and March. And while he was making steady progress um, in December and January, February and March isn't, doesn't go as well for Danny. Danny shoots 39% during those two months. Um, he shot or he averaged 7.7 points per game as well during those two months. From March 11th to the 29th in nine games. He shot 20 of 69, that's 28%, and the Cavs went 3-9 during that stretch. Um, hopes that he, that, that he shook, shook out of his rookie doldrums came when he, he had a four-game stretch from March 31st to April 5th. and During that four-game stretch, Danny averaged 16 points per game, shot 50, 56% from the field. During that time period as well, uh, Brad Daugherty was injured, so Danny ended up having some time at the center position along with playing power forward and small forward. We will get to more on Danny Ferry's rookie season after these messages. Danny Ferry's stretch, once again, he had a four-game stretch Uh, from March 31st to April 5th, where he averaged 16 points per game, um, covering for Brad Doherty. And one of those games was against the New York Knicks, where he scored 19 points, and the Cavs actually won that game. Um, Knicks power forward Charles Oakley uh, was reported to say that earlier in the season, he felt that Danny Ferry was more like a CBA player. Um after ferry scored 19 points in this win oakley actually gave ferry some props uh he telling the media that he actually played well and he also complimented danny ferry's defense which a lot of people weren't complimenting at the time so to get props from charles oakley uh, a lot of people you know, if you hear some of those podcasts that I talked about earlier, where you hear players going in there and they talk about Charles Oakley. Charles Oakley is one of the most respected um, basketball players when you're talking about, from the the um, opinion of other NBA players. He was very physical, very um, imposing. He may not have had as much skill as like a Karl Malone or a Charles Barkley, but... When it came to playing with strength and, and asserting his dominance physically, there weren't many power forts that could do that. He was very intimidating during his time. So to get some uh, respect and praise from Charles Oakley is a lot. So, um, you know, that stretch where he got more minutes because Brad Doherty was injured. You know, once again, you look at it and go, OK, he's coming along. Things, he's going to finish off this season strong. Well, after that good run, he closed the season going 22 for 65, shooting 33 percent from the field, averaging 7.8 points per game for the rest of the season. And his rookie season ended with him playing 81 games, averaging 8.6 points per game, which was second off the bench. Um, And he had two starts. He shot 42% from the field, 29% from 3, and he averaged 3.5 rebounds per game and 20 and a half minutes per game. When the season was over, playing dealer writer Burt Graff gave Danny Ferry a D+. Graf said he showed a lack of foot speed which translated into numerous personal fouls. And means that he will have problems throughout his career matching up against most small fours. But on the positive side, he said that he showed, oh wait, more negativity. He said that uh, Ferry showed a lack of upper body strength, which he will need to match up with uh, the Brutes at the power forward spot. So um, that's Danny Ferry's rookie season. A tough one, the Cavs actually finished 33-49, and 49, uh, which was a big step back. Remember, um, this is the 90-91 season. In the 88-89 80, 80, season, the Cavs were 57-25, and 25, had the second seed in the Eastern Conference. Um, people were looking at them. People like Magic Johnson um, said that this was the team of the 90s. The next season... They trade Ron Harper. Um, they fight through injuries. They limp into the playoffs at 42-40. Um, they actually finished the regular season strong in 89-90, but they have a tough year, but they finished the regular season strong. They have a five-game series that they lose in the first round, three games to two against Philadelphia. Danny Ferry arrives finally after uh, waiting a season for him. Mark Price gets hurt. Um, so, when Price played, he was, the team was 9-7. They go 24-42 without Mark Price. Uh, Danny Ferry plays 81 games. He's the uh, only... Well, actually, Craig Elo actually played 82 games. Danny Ferry played 81. Larry Nance played 80. Uh, Brad Doherty, who got injured at the end of the season, played 76. So, he only missed six games. But the Cavs were very injury-plagued that season. Um, once again, not having enough at the guard position, which you had enough when you had Ron Harper. Um, the Cavs got deep at the power forward and center position after the Denny Ferry trade, but they were already deep before the Denny Ferry trade. And they got deep after the Denny Ferry trade, and it was a bit unnecessary because it cost them their depth at the shooting guard spot and at the point guard spot because Danny Fair, not Danny Fair, Ron Harper and Craig Elo, they were interchangeable. You could play Ron Harper at point guard, shooting guard, small forward. You could play Craig Elo at point guard, shooting guard, small fort, and then you have Mark Price who was a point guard. <sighs> um, if you hear me blowing, excuse me, I'm outside and a spider just jumped on my arm. And I'm not afraid of spiders at all like that, but just didn't feel like anything crawling on my arm. All right, so uh, back to the task at hand. Um, so yeah, the Cavs were very, very deep at the um, at, at they were deep on both sides. They were deep in the front court, deep in the back court. When they traded for Ferry, they things got lopsided. Now all of a sudden they're too deep in the front, and they're not deep enough in the back court. Here's um, who Mark Price had to uh, rely on in his backcourt. There was a young Steve Kerr who was a very good three-point shooter, but he wasn't really good at creating his own shot. He had to have someone set him up. Mark Price was that guy. When Mark Price is hurt, there's no one else on the team that can set him up for good shots. Uh, Also on the team was uh, John Morton, who had fame in college. He got Seton Hall all the way to the national championship game, which they almost won. They lost at the light the last second. Another player on the team, Gerald Patio. Um, He was a very good scorer at UNLV. When he got to the Cavs that year, he was scoring really well at the beginning. And then it's like teams figured him out. And all of a sudden, he wasn't averaging 13 points per game like he was During maybe the first couple weeks, three weeks of his career with the Cavs, he dropped down to 7.2 points per game. Craig Elo as well averaged 10 points per game that season. They needed a lot more from him if they were going to make a playoff run without Mark Price. Another player in the backcourt was Darnell Valentine, who was a veteran, backup point guard. He wasn't awful, but he was a backup point guard. And that season, the Cavs had the lowest-scoring guard duo. When you talk about Elo and Darnell Valentine together, um, they started, I think, about 60 games together, and one averaged 10 points per game, one averaged 9. And you got many many backcourts in the NBA. Pretty much every other backcourt, they'll have at least one guy averaging about 19 points or at least 16 points by himself. So, that was tough for um, the Cavs right there. Another thing, um, Henry James was a player who he was like a small forward, two guard, uh, very, you know, capable three-point shooter. Um, he came over. He had some games here and there. He shot 40% from three, averaged eight points per game. Uh, another player that they thought. Could possibly replace Ron Harper was Derek Chivas, who was a small forward, shooting guard kind of player. They got him the year before, and he just didn't work out. He played 18 games that season and uh, shot 37. percent um, Then there was Winston Bennett, who was he was a he was pretty much a forward. Um, but yeah, offensively he was very limited. Um, he could rebound a bit, but. Once again, all those names I read, you're probably going, who are these people? And that shows you, you know, outside of Steve Kerr, like you probably never heard of the rest of them uh, alongside maybe Craig Elo because of that shot by Michael Jordan. But, but yeah, Steve Kerr is probably the only name, you know, because he coaches the the Warriors. (laughs) But uh, as players, these guys really weren't um, high caliber NBA players. So... The Cavs really struggled because while their front court performed and wasn't that bad, actually was, was pretty good, they couldn't stop the other team's guards from scoring and they couldn't put up points. Uh, so it was a tough situation. And uh, in saying all that, Danny Ferry's eight points per game, that wasn't enough either. Um, so that's his rookie season. The next episode, we actually, we're we're gonna have um, some other players that we feature, but the next episode, we're gonna feature uh, Danny Ferry and his, uh, the rest of his career, which, you know, there were ups, there were downs, but we're gonna talk about the rest of his career. We're gonna talk about um, the really, the the best season he had as a Cavalier, which was a lot of fun for me watching him um, finally have some success. Because he had his share of struggles throughout his career. Uh, once again, thank you for tuning in to My Basketball Cards. You know, we got a lot of episodes with a lot about a lot of other players. Um, I think it's just kind of cool doing these deep dives and seeing what the media was saying about these players and what was going on back in these days. And hopefully in the future, we'll be able to actually get some interviews with a few players as well. Um, thank you once again for tuning in. You can check us out on Twitter at Rebel Life Media. And... You know, leave leave some comments about the show. What you think about it? Um, Also, uh, just you know, subscribe, share, let people know about the show. We'll greatly appreciate it. But for now, I'm gonna stop rambling on and uh, check us out. We're gonna do another part. This will be part four for Danny Fair on the next episode. Thank you for tuning in to my basketball cards. Oh, y'all, real quick, I almost forgot. Got so far into the story that I forgot to share with you all the featured basketball card of the episode. And that's the Hoops number 406 of the 1990 collection. That's another Danny Ferry rookie card. Now, listen, he had two cards in this collection. One, he's got street clothes, the other one, he's actually in a Cavalier uniform. And. That card is said to be worth about 34 cents. You know what I'm saying? Um, but that's another card uh, from his season. I try to get cards from the season that we're talking about. And in future episodes, we might kind of stray off from those seasons. Um, but yeah, so his rookie season, the hoops collection that he was, um, had rookie cards in. Actually, he didn't play in the NBA that year, remember, once again, in 89-90. So on the back of those cards, you see um, his college stats, and then you see like a lot of information about the Ron Harper trade um, with him and what he did in Italy as well as his accomplishments from Duke. So those are um, the key aspects of that card. Once again, this card, he's in a Cavs uniform. You see him shooting uh, a shot. And then in the other card, in the previous episode, he's in street clothes. And you can see the cards on the cover art of each episode. So, yeah, sorry about forgetting that element. Uh, That's what this show is built off of. Thanks again for tuning in.